I'm going to ask that maybe you indulge me a little bit. Um, I'm going to read from something called The Message. Um, and I know that that's, um, it's not really a translation. What's it, what does he call it? Um, it's a contemporary rendering of the Bible from the original language. So I'm going to read it to you from, from The Message, but then we're going to go through it. Um, looking at the scripture from uh, the New King James Version. So um, I, I think there's some value, there's some great value in, in paraphrases and, and different renderings. So if you want to open up to John 15, I'm going to read it from the message, and then we'll, we'll go through it verse by verse with the, the, the New King James. So, let me... The vine and the branches. I'm the real vine. And my father, he's the farmer. He cuts off every branch that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it'll bear even more. You're already pruned back by the message I've spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I'm with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest, is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words and are and are at home and, and are and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you are mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. I've kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that your joy, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I've loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what the master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask in the Father in relation to me, 
He gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. If you find the godless world is hating you, remember it's got to start hating me. So, I just love how um, Eugene Peterson, who made this rendering, really points out the relational aspect of this scripture. And, um, and so, I would like to consider today how the Lord's calling out to you and give you an, giving you an invitation to have a greater and more intimate relationship with Him. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's look at the scripture from uh, the New King James Version. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is where, relationally, God starts out and says, I'm the source. I am the source of relationship. I am the initiator. I am the one that you look to for the life in this relationship. And then um, says, every branch. He then says, he, he, he identifies you as, as being part of him. God's the, Jesus is the branch, God's the vine dresser, and we are then called a branch, part of Jesus. He, he instantly just makes that pre, pre he makes that assumption, I'll use that word because I can't get the other one out, um, that we are part of him. We, we bring, we get our life from him, he was our genesis, he was our beginning, and that, that he, he brings us in. We, we are not just associates. We're actually connected to him in the deepest way. Um, at first glance, you might not necessarily see that relational part. But God's always re revealed himself in the way of relation. I want you to look at, uh, consider, don't you have to turn there, but Genesis 1.1. God, the very first thing that we read in Scripture is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God's name there, the name that he gives himself is Elohim, and that is a plural name, and he introduces himself as the source of creation, as the source of life, as the beginning of everything self-existent, totally unique. But, you know, there's something about that that's far off. You know, you know we, we know that the whole world exists. We know that life exists. We know that society exists. But you can always see yourself as apart from that. And then it, it describes how he created the earth and, and just the, all the wonderful things he did. But then, the next time that that uh, we hear God's name mentioned in a different way is when in Genesis 2-7 God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. At the moment that God breathed life into us he also changed 
his identity via his name because this is the first time we see Lord God. Now that might not seem significant, but in the Hebrew, that's, where, that's the first time we hear the name Jehovah Elohim. He identifies himself even more. He progressively starts to show you more of how he relates. And every time that we see a name of God where we find out more about him, he's always meeting a human need. God introduces himself and expands himself as he meets our needs. Elohim, I'm the creator, but now I'm the one breathing life into you, into your nostrils. <sighs> that spirit that comes inside you and that, that life force that is from him, he lets you know a little bit more about him. He tells you a secret about himself. As you walk with God, this is very, very personal. And God is extending himself and being vulnerable to you and saying, I'm there with you. I want relationship with you. Uh, you know, for those of you who've been walking with the Lord for a while, you know, especially in, in American Christian culture, it used to be very popular to you'd see bumper stickers saying, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And that is so true. And we still say it very often. But... Um, but I wonder sometimes, as we walk with the Lord, do we sometimes forget that? You know, our pastor Odin's, for the past couple weeks, he's mentioned the fact that, hey, you know what? Our problem is, the source of most of our problems, the source of most of our sin is we forget. So I just want to remind you again, it's a relationship. And I don't know about you, but I have found myself very often in my walk with the Lord, <clears throat> walking as if it were a religion. I haven't been actively pursuing a relationship. Think about the people you have a relationship with. You see, you've got to invite them in. You've got to, you, you invest in that and you're open. You keep your heart open. So um, yesterday I spent time with, as I said, my granddaughter in the pool. And it was so wonderful. She loves water. And she's eight, eight, eight and a half months old. And she I'm just holding her. And she just so, gets so happy. And she just gets her face right up to you. And she loves to breathe on you and get your breath from her. And just that, that wonderful relationship. I started thinking, Lord, you, you like to get in our face and, and breathe on us and, and, and hear our breath. And, and you want that kind of intimacy. And then, then I start to think of the scripture. Think about that. In, in your life, just may, maybe, you know, every, every now, as your daily life, just... Think about how God, just in, in the different moments, wants to have a closeness with you. And you have to have that trust. <clears throat> but let's continue in John. It said, every, every branch, we're part of, part of him. Um, then it continues, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Thing is, when you are in relationship with God, when you are in that intimacy relationship, you just can't help but bear fruit. But if you're not in that relationship, then it becomes a broken relationship, and you're taken away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. This week I helped a friend prune their garden. And uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it needed some pruning, because there was a huge bougainvillea that, had been taken, that was taken over. Do you ever... Done the bougainvillea, right? I mean, they're beautiful, but 
They go everywhere, and they're crazy, and they have all those thorns, and you just like got the gloves, and, you, and, you, and you're trimming, and you realize, well, I'm going to have to be very radical with trimming this down because it's going so far, and it's, it's so prolific in its growth. And sometimes I had to cut off some of the shoots that seemed like they were the biggest and strongest, but they were going in the wrong direction. They were the, the wildest things, and they were taking all the energy. These shoots were taking all the, the energy to make the plant beautiful and to go where it should. And if you're in relationship with God, you can expect that he is going to prune you. So in your, in your friendship with God, you can expect that there's going to be some, some surgery done. There's going to be some discipline that happens. God will prune us. And sometimes you will have to sacrifice some of the shoots that you think are the best. That are, that are so big and beautiful, but they're going in the wrong direction, and those things will have to be taken away. In Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. Relationship with God is going to involve that correction. And I, as a parent, I've got a grown daughter, but I'm going to tell you that in those times I had to correct her, those were some of the most intimate times I ever had. Um, we, we had a, a little ritual, you know, not a ritual, but a, there was a, 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 had steps. There was the go and reflection step, then there was come in, and there was the submission step, there was the, the actual spanking, then there was the hug, then there was the prayer, and then there was the restoration conversation, and then she'd get a treat, and then we'd go have fun. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, you know, I hated the discipline, but also, on the, on the other hand, it bonded us in the deepest way. And so, as a friend with God, you're going to experience discipline. That, and it's with, not without pur purpose that you bear more fruit. God's pruning is not without purpose. It is for a good reason. Sometimes in life we get this uh, existential, we get this thing like, oh, life doesn't mean anything, and why is it hurting, and why is there so much pain? And that's when we don't trust. That's when we're breaking the relationship and we're actually questioning God's character. Then, then verse three, you are already clean because the words which I've spoken to you of a relationship with God begins with personal cleansing by grace and growing holiness. And we know we know about that. We know that our relationship with Jesus begins with him forgiving us and making us clean. And then he says, abide in me and I in you. And this is an invitation so we can dwell together in the most intimate way. And think about who's giving you an, 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 the invitation. I'm sure if any of us received an honorable invitation, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Elon Musk goes, hey, you know what? I saw you on Facebook. Could I take you to dinner? I would love to sit and pick your mind. I want to talk about it. I mean, we'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, if that's not your favorite person, pick somebody you really admire and think is, is great. And you would be like, wow, I'd be honored if they would spend time with me. Well, you have that invitation. God wants to spend that time with you. He desires with you, and he loves you. He, I, I mean, if you went to dinner with Elon Musk, there's the risk that he might go, huh, yeah, you loser, I didn't like you. But God already has decided about you. He loves you. He created you. He loves how you think. He loves how you function. He loves everything about you, and he wants to spend that time with you. 
Um, and and I just just a, a quick note. You know, this is the only Christianity is the only religion where it is this personal. Every other religion is sort of a list of things you can achieve, and then then you're approved. But this is one where Jesus says, you need me. Let me cleanse you. Let me be the one. Just come spend time with me. Just receive my invitation. Just believe me. Just trust me. And I will do all these things. It's not up to you. As a, and so, so we see a branch can't bear fruit by itself. No, Jesus has to do it. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. This speaks of the frustration of trying to live outside of relationship with God. Um, Now, you might say, um, there is a lot that is accomplished without God. And there are even things that are done against God that, that uh, seem to stand but uh, and that appears to be so and we'll get to that in a minute about the things that seem to be going somewhere without God but but let's just look at it from this point of view from this negative statement helps to il- illustrate the frustration we experience when we try to live without the connection to our creator and the whole world striving to get that fulfillment to get that thing they're looking for to, to, to finally find that satisfaction. There's, there's so many songs about not being able to find satisfaction, about getting the whole world and it never being enough. We see this at the end of, of people who have gotten to their pinnacle of getting every desire. And who, who is the satisfied person? Who, who do you know that is satisfied? And then, and then people that go into relationships and live in conflict and turmoil because they can't get what they want from their mate. They can't get what they want from their job. They can't get what they want from their accomplishments, for their, from their achievements. No, our fulfillment, the only thing that will give us satisfaction is we have to go to the very source of life, the very one, the Elohim, and then the one who keeps wants, wants to keep revealing himself and, it, and keeps calling out to us to be in relationship with him. Um, but we fight against it. There's an author named Aldous Huxley. Yeah, famous right now, Brave New World is, was his big book. He was a philosopher from the 20th century. And uh, he was considered one of the great intellects. But he said, the place where I, he said, he admitted, the place where I have been intellectually um, unethical is in deciding about God. He said, because when I looked at God, I realized that if I were to accept God, then I would not be able to live the way I wanted to. So I had to decide I believed in a world that had no moral absolutes and there was no meaning to it, and then I could do whatever I wanted to. But that left me with an existential angst and a meaninglessness that made life completely worthless. So his whole choice and what he decided to do was to say, no, I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to believe you because I don't want to do things your way. And we do that. We do that so often. We make a case against God to meet some lust in us. And we get drawn away. 
And that is the nature of what breaks our relationship with the Lord. And that's what breaks his heart. There's a nothingness outside of Jesus. There's an emptiness. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now we, I just brought up, they spoke about the, the things that are apparently accomplished without abiding in Jesus or abiding in God and, and the things that were done against him. This verse speaks of the judgment that will come and show ultimately and determine that the works that seem like they're something really come to nothing. And also speaks of the judgment of the things, of the works that are done that are, that are evil. And this should be considered soberly. And also this gives great satisfaction because every one of us wants justice. Everybody, everyone wants judgment. We may say we don't, but we all desire it. We all demand it. It's in our very being. It's in our very core. And the only one that can provide that perfectly and provide grace and give us the absolute end that we know in our core that we need is Jesus, the one calling us into relationship. Verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Hmm. Here Jesus tells us that the friendship with God is in sync, and to be in sync with him and with his purposes, you're going to have great power. You're going to be able to discuss with him about resource. You're going to be able to discuss with him about the issues of your heart. And he will listen to you, and he will answer you, and he will provide. This is very challenging to us. I can't think of anything in the Christian life that's maybe more disconcerting than prayer. A lot of us, myself included, we just avoid it. It's going well. You know, we get disappointed because it doesn't work out the way we think it should. And then we try to finagle it. Read, read books about power and prayer and you know how to get the angle on it. And you can, there's some great stuff in those things. Um, we try to get inspired in prayer. But really, where's that motivation come? Well, just ask the Lord to help you. I'm, I don't have the perfect answer. I, this is something, honestly, I struggle with myself. I would love to be stronger in prayer, more committed to prayer. I forget. Like, like Odin said, we forget. We forget to talk to God about things. We forget to ask. And then we become disgruntled because, well, God should have known. He said, it doesn't work that way. He says, yeah, I'm not because you ask not. So as you're developing and, and being conscious and remembering that, to be his friend, then remember, say, hey, you know, I keep forgetting to ask you to do something. Would, would you remind me? He'll help you. The Holy Spirit's there to help you, to comfort you, to increase you in your prayer and the power. And ask him, hey, help me see the potential of what you might want to do. What things are being undone that God's saying, well, the, all, the, all the groundwork's laid. Why don't, ask me. Ask me. And then, and then go, go do the work. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers out into the harvest to gather because it's there. So we're seeing, you know, Barna, Pew, all these, uh, these information gathering sources are saying that church attendance is declining in the United States. 
People say, well, the millennials aren't coming. Well, Lord, what do you want to do about that? Put it on my heart. Teach me to pray. What do you want to do about the things in my life, the things that I've just accepted that maybe you have a better plan for? And admit when you haven't been asking. Admit when your vision is small. Admit when you just said, you know what? Everything's fine. I don't need anything better. God's friendship says, come up here. Come higher. Come listen. Come get a bigger vision. Be part of the things that I'm doing. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So, <laughs> if you're his friend, you've, you've also taken on his mission and his vision. And he wants you to be part of that. And think about this. We mere humans have the power to add to God's glory. We, we can actually add. He's, he's given uh, we humble beings this wonderful opportunity to add to what he, he wants. Not out of ourselves, but he just said, come with me. Come do this with me. Come be part of me. Let's be friends. Look at the things we can do. It's an open invitation that's there every day. Let that, let that calling and that vision that you, that you experience in the past, those, those moments when you've had maybe a higher calling, those moments in worship when you have maybe that, that sense of, oh, you see something bigger, that's still real. And the, the, the drudgery of every day, the, the, the pedestrian life, it can all make it seem like it's not real and you want to just, just go bump settling, but don't. Keep friendship with God and let him open up those, those wonderful things he wants to do, those, those daily encounters, to have that breath of life just bubbling up inside you. Let your vision be restored. Wake up from, from the slumber. Uh, I had a friend who was in the honor guard. He was asked to, to be in this elite group, and, and throughout his whole life, he considered that the greatest thing he ever did and he walked the tomb of the unknown soldier. And he was part of just a soldier. He was just a, a private. But then he was able to be there with, at, at, he had, at, at that place, he had authority over the president. He could interact with five-star generals. God says, you, I've given you, I've given you the golden ticket. You're part of something great, you. I'm with you. You have all power because I'm with you. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And uh, so we can have the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father, with the Lord himself. We are allowed. We, are, we can be that special simply by, by our affiliation with him. Um. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as, as the as my Father. Com oh, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. The way to experience this relationship is to simply trust and obey. And not obeying in the sense of like, okay, if I keep the rules and I'm perfect, then I'm going to keep a relationship. No, it's that obeying by believing. 
What's the work of God? This is the, this is the work of God that you believe. But also the commandment he's going to tell us is that, well, let's go ahead and look at it. This is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I've loved you. Amen. Be full of love. Um, over the years, since I've been a Christian and as I look into church history, the church has maybe been its own worst enemy. Most missionary efforts fail not because of the hardship of the mission field, but because of internal conflict, because of the backbiting, the power struggles that happen within the organization. Right now, we're seeing division in our country with, with, uh, with people who have different political ideas, and they're labeling each other. They're, they're saying, you, you're failing God, you missed it, you missed it. You know, I, one, one of the pluses of being in, in an itinerant ministry where I had to go from all, to go to all kinds of different den denominations and minister with a whole lot of different, different points of view is I had to get uh, very diplomatic and just find a way to love each place where God called me to serve. I had to just like, hmm, yeah, I have, an, yeah, I have my own opinions, but I, I, I'm not going to force them on anybody else. I'm not going to let anything break fellowship or break love. I, there are opinions that I respect more than others, um, but I will not demonize or, or judge and condemn another because they don't agree with me, because I have blind spots, and we all do. So hold to your convictions with all your heart, but also don't let that be an excuse to stop loving or to be filled with hatred or filled with vengeance, because what is the command here that Jesus is talking about? If you break fellowship like that, you're breaking fellowship with God. He loves those people too. Now, there's, we don't have time to get into how that all works out or the practicalities of it, but have that heart and that attitude and seek God with how you proceed. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And what is, what's that root command? To love one another. Um, and as for laying down your life, you know what? If you're friends with God, he's going to tell you what that means because it means something different for each one of us. We, we all have our own proclivities. We all have our own things that we go after, the things that can draw us away from the Lord and that can, can make us maybe even inadvertently selfish to our brothers and sisters. But ask God to show you. And in your friendship, he will reveal things to you. And then this is the verse I'm most excited about. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. I call you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I've made known to you. When you're God's friend, he tells you his secrets. He tells you his, his secret pains, but you know you're in an intimate place with somebody when somebody tells you their secret joys. You are invited to have a relationship with God where he tells you your secrets. You can be in the inner room, the inner circle. Each one of us can be in the inner circle. He can tell us those things. He can tell us everything about ourselves, but he can tell us the things that he's doing. 
that are eternal, the things that are matter that will not burn away, and the things that will bring him joy and ultimately bring you your complete joy. That's what this friendship is. To always say, I know what this world looked like. I know this pain that I have. But I trust you. Um, I, I, some of you know me. You've watched me go through a real season of loss. And, and some really painful things. And I will just tell you, it was a struggle. What did you do to me? Why did you, why did you abandon me? But then at a certain point, the pain was so great, I just, just like, I don't know, the why didn't matter anymore. It's just sort of like, you know what? All I can do is say, you're good. I trust you. Please come into this pain, into this heartbreak, into this struggle, into this frustration, to my own failure. Just come in. And it was at that point where I just said, I just trust you. I don't know what this all means. I can't figure it out. But when I just said, you're good, that's all I know. And I know that you have everything I need. Oh, he met me abundantly. Amen. He met me profoundly. And it was a slow process, but just began to change my attitudes and my heart and bring life into dead places and heal all the psychology stuff that I would never have been able to get to if I was in therapy. He just started to heal things from the past. He started to heal broken relationships and just say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is where we're going, your eternity, who I am. I am everything you need. I want you, I desire you. Um, and then he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I, I, I've over-prepared, so I'm not going to go into the rest of it. There's things that <laughs> I, could, I could tie up. Um, but, uh, but I will I'll just say, um, when you wake up in the morning, say, let's be friends. As you go through the day, you forget, oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, I'm going to go back and be friends. Don't condemn yourself. And be on your guard. Because what Satan will try and do is take away the personhood from God. There's, I am going to do, I'm going to give you one last little thing. We, we talked about Genesis. When Satan comes to tempt Eve, do you know what he does? The first thing he does, did God say, that's what he says. You know, he gets into the slander, but what I just want to point out is the first thing he did is he went back on God's revelation of who he was. God had already gone from Elohim Elohim and introduced Jehovah, he went back to Elohim. When, when Satan's trying to get you to break a relationship, he's going to try to make God seem less personal. He's going to try and um, associate God with a group of people or a mindset or a way certain evangelicals think. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an independent person. I can think for myself. And you can throw God away because you're not thinking him, of him in a personal way anymore. When you want to destroy a person or you want to step into hatred from a person, the first thing you got to do is take away that person's, person's personhood. You can't, you can't, you can't think of a, of a human being that you could possibly have feelings for and, and really hate them without completely destroying your heart. So Satan's going to try and do that. So you keep remembering who your God is and how much he loves you and how personally he's touched you. You hold on to those things. I have a couple of friends, that, some younger people, 
who I know through my, my daughter and son-in-law. And I've watched them for a few years, and some of them have stepped away from their faith. And I get together with them, and they know I still love them, and they'll still t- spend time with me. I go, and they tell me why they've left their faith, and they give me, you know, reasons. Well, you know, there's the Old Testament, they did genocide. They get, they get philosophical, and they, they make it this weird thing, and I go, okay, okay, those things can all be worked out. Those are all intellectual, those are different, uh, different mindsets, but don't you miss Jesus? Don't you miss his personality? his relationship in your life? Don't you miss his interaction? And two of them looked at me dead in the eye and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. It just broke my heart. I said, oh, either you're lying or you don't know him. He wants to know us. He wants that intimacy. And so I just encourage you, brothers and sisters, keep remembering. Don't worry, you're going to forget by the end of the day probably before you even get the lunch. But then remind yourself again, and it's okay. It's okay. Just keep reminding yourself. Keep, keep holding on and keep reaching out. Say, yes, I remember you. I remember you. You're my friend. You're my friend. You're my friend. I saw you on the TV show. <laughs> so I love you. You're awesome. And he's saying so much more. He doesn't forget you. Your, your name is on the palm of his hand. He doesn't forget you. He's pursuing you. And so, Lord, help us not to break your heart. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for so much for your love and your intimacy. Thank you so much that no matter what, you are always there. Lord, help us continue to be mindful of you personally and the things that matter to you and how much that matters to our life, everything we're looking for, this is where it's at. You're all we want. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And be gracious unto thee, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee.